Good morning, Seacoast. So glad to see you all this weekend. I want to welcome you to church. Uh, welcome all of you who are here at the Mount Pleasant campus. We're glad you're here. I also want to welcome all of you who are joining us online, uh, part of our digital community. I met somebody who is in this current service, but normally watches from Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, so wherever you happen to be from, we're glad you're part of this community. Also, all of our campuses, we love you guys. I know in Manning, uh, this is Pastor Jim Fleming's last official day as the campus pastor in Manning. And so uh, this guy, Jim, I want to tell you guys about him for a minute. He's a farmer uh, who got a vision and helped us plant a church in Manning, South Carolina, and has served faithfully while also still running his farm. Can we give it up for Jim Fleming and Manning for the years that he's served us well? We're thankful for you. We're thankful for all of our campuses and glad that you're here. Listen, we have a rule at um, our staff here at Seacoast. When we gather for our all-staff meetings, we have to start with good news. So do you mind if I start with some good news? Just kind of getting off the, the, the bat with some good news. By the way, I'm Josh, if I met you. I serve as a lead pastor, excited to be here, new year. Uh, we said here at the Mount Pleasant campus, Pastor Joel mentioned that if you're here, you, are, you have perfect attendance uh, for church in 2022. And so we want to include you guys, the campuses on that. Well done. But good news. So we, we've been doing this, uh, finished the year with our legacy initiative, which is where we kind of cast vision for the future. We've talked to you guys about John's Island campus and uh, how we got land on John's Island. We wanted to raise $2 million dollars. Uh, in order to break ground, the project will be between five and six million dollars. And so uh, we told you guys back in December that there was a family that came to the table with a one million dollar match. They would match up to one million dollars. And so every month, kind of at the end of the month, we report to them what's come in and then they write a check for that amount for John's Island. Well, I want to report to you guys that up to this point, we've had seven hundred and twenty one thousand dollars given towards that million dollar match. Is that not amazing? So, uh, so thank you guys for your generosity. Uh, so as, as we finish that out, uh, that's, uh, my math may be wrong, but I think that's about $221,000 short, $219,000, something like that short of that million. But as that comes in, uh, that'll, that'll be $2 million that we'll get towards that. And then check this out, because I don't want to start with just any good news. I want to give even better news. Uh, just over these last few weeks, another family from John's Island came to us and said, hey, we want to give towards that match. And they did. So that's part of that. But then they said, once we've hit that match, we'd like to do another million dollar match to the church to help us get to $4 million for that campus. Is that not amazing? And so, um, so I'm starting the year just in terms of that blown away. I mean, beyond what we could ask or imagine, uh, we had tiny heart syndrome. We figured it would take a couple of years to get that first 2 million. And now we've got to get our our act together and get this, these plans going because you guys had a different timeline and uh, we're super grateful for that and excited about it. As we jump into this new year, I want you to think about the phrase that, that we've all used probably multiple times in these last couple of days, probably used it some today, happy new year, right? Have you thought about that? When we say happy new year to somebody, we're really just kind of wishfully thinking, right? I mean, we're hoping it's a good thing to say, but man, I don't know if it's going to be a happy year for you or not. I'm kind of, I hope so, but I've said happy new year to some people who had the greatest year that they've ever had. And I've had, I've said happy new year to others who've had really hard years. And, and so we come into that and we're, we're being kind. And I, I love the phrase, don't not say it to me in the foyer, please say it to me. But, but aren't we all kind of at best just hoping that people will have a happy new year? I was thinking about that 
yesterday. Yesterday was January 1st. I started off the, the year great, uh, spent some time with God praying and getting some vision for some things. I laid out some goals uh, in my, my work life and my personal life, my family, uh, different areas of my life. And for me, it was about mid-morning that the goals started to come off of the rails a little bit. I don't know if you guys maybe have lasted longer, but, but I, mine started, I got an email. A lot of you family members here at the Mount Pleasant got the same email that said, hey, um, Seacoast Kids Coast team in Mount Pleasant, they're on the COVID-19 reserve list. If you follow NFL football, you've seen that like teams are having to announce, hey, these people are out this week. Our Kids Coast team is out this week. They all got COVID. I don't know if they all just were hanging out too, too much together, but uh, praying that they're all good. Nobody's seriously sick right now, but we couldn't do Kids Coast ministry. And so many of you we're surprised to come in today and realize, oh, good, my kids get to worship with me. Uh, that's not how, that wasn't on my goal list for professional uh, life. That's not how we had envisioned starting the year at Seacoast, but we're going to be okay. Uh, then we decided our family wanted to do a polar bear plunge. Anybody do a polar bear plunge? Uh, yes, okay, some of you guys did that. If you don't know what that's about, that's when you jump into a body of water uh, on January 1st. Now, if you live in the north, what you need to understand is it was 75 degrees and sunny here. Uh, our polar bear plunge is a lot like your summer swim uh, up in the north, but we feel good about it. And so we, we do that. And so we were out on John's Island at this property uh, retreat center. We went out there and the kids are all jumping in the water and it's great. And, and then my wife informs me, hey, our dogs are missing. We have two French bulldogs. And while we were doing the polar bear plunge, they took off running and we're out in the country. Uh, these dogs have zero survival skills, none. <laughs> Very good at barking from behind a fence at people in suburban neighborhood, but zero survival skills. And they're missing in this land where there are alligators. There are all kinds of predators. And so first, you know, 20, 30 minutes, not a big deal. Oh, we're all confident we'll find them. Well, then the time continues to go on and we're searching for them. The sun is now starting to set and, and the kids are getting concerned. And we've got a group text going. We're spread out over probably 150 acres of land looking. I'd gotten onto a golf cart, borrowed a golf cart, and had driven out outside of the property down on these other roads. And here's what you need to know. Out on John's Island, um, every neighborhood has, or every driveway has a no trespassing sign. It's the last day of hunting season. So there's gunshots going off all around you. And, and me and my daughter and two nieces are on this golf cart. And we're a long way from the home. And we're looking. And, and the golf cart runs out of battery. And so now my three 12-year-olds and me are pushing a golf cart through the woods, trying to find these dogs. The sun's getting ready to set. And I find myself kind of looking up at God going, really? Like, this wasn't part of the plan. Like I, the, the church stuff, the, the dog stuff, the golf cart stuff. And I'm supposed to preach tomorrow on how to be happy. <laughs> I'm not having a happy new year so far. This is not going well. And, and just praise report. Eventually, as I was kind of whining to God, a car drove by, which you don't, this first car I had seen. And, uh, and she rolled the window down and said, are you looking for something? And she kind of looked over and the two dogs were sitting in her passenger seat they'd showed up to her house. Now, check this out. This has nothing to do with my message, but she owns one other dog who happened to kill the last dog that she owned. Uh, I, I'm not going to presume what breed it was, but it's not a friendly dog towards others. It was outside uh, all day. She had just brought it inside when our two little helpless French bulldogs showed up on her porch. So she was like, they would be dead if it weren't for the fact that our dog was in. But she, she brought him back and all is well. We're, we're good. We're good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Why do I share all that with you? Because 
happy new year. Like we, we hope that we'll have a good year, but we don't know. Chances are this year is going to bring about some challenges, bring about some circumstances that you're not hoping for, but you're going to have to navigate through. Is it possible to be happy even in spite of whatever life might throw my way this year? And I believe that it is. And so we're, we're launching a series right now called How to Be Happy. And I know that if you're a church person, maybe you've been around church for a long time, we've almost been conditioned to think of happiness as a bad thing, uh, or at least shallow. Like, ah, uh, happiness, is that going to be a shallow series? I believe this is going to be one of the deeper series that we've ever done at Seacoast, because we're going to study Jesus's words out of a sermon that he gave, the most famous sermon that he's ever given, and he opens it up with this teaching on happiness. So the, the series is called How to Be Happy. Did you know this? Our team reported this back to me. The phrase, how to be happy, is Googled 130,000 times a month. 130,000 times a month. That, that somebody is experiencing a void of happiness to the degree that they're getting in front of their computer or they're opening up their smartphone and they're typing into Google, how do I be happy? And, and they're getting results from Google. So I actually, in preparation for this message, I became one of those people. I Googled how to be happy to figure out what are they learning? What are they hearing? What's the world offering us in terms of happiness? And there are all kinds of articles, way more than, than I could ever read. 23 tips to a happier life and 14 ways to happiness. Medical journals that are talking about uh, chemical stuff. You've got sociologists. You've got all kinds of these. And they're not bad things. They're not terrible things. But, but, but here's what I would wonder. What if we set Google aside and went to the person who, before anybody ever Googled how to be happy, before anybody ever even asked him how to be happy, he knows that as human beings, we're conditioned to need this, to want this, to desire happiness. And so he opens up the most famous sermon that he's ever given with some instructions on happiness. And so that's what we're going to look into. For eight weeks, we're going to look at this content. And here's what I'm going to tell you. It's not, we're going to find the answer to this question, how to be happy in some pretty surprising places. It's not 23 tips to a better life. This is not going to be a self-help series, but it's going to lead us, if we'll engage with it, it's going to lead us to a depth of happiness. The, the, the word that's used for it is actually blessed in most translations. And that word blessed translates to, uh, I talked a lot before looking at my notes, makarios, there it is. Makarios is the word blessed that Jesus uses in this. And it literally means happy. But it's not a happiness that is dependent on your dogs being found or on, you know, all things going your way. It's, it's not dependent on your financial well-being or, or your health. It's actually a lot deeper than that. It describes a life characterized by goodness and distinctiveness. I, I like that. How many of you would like a life that's described by goodness and the thing that actually distinguishes you from everybody else isn't that you have better circumstances, but it's that you carry a happiness and a joy that distinguishes you from other people. Man, that's what I want for Seacoast. That's what I want for Christ followers, that we would be distinguished by being blessed that goes way beyond any of our circumstances. And so let's look at the scripture together. I'm going to read it to you. And then what we're going to do is for the next eight weeks, we're going to look at each of these eight phrases that Jesus uses to describe happiness. Matthew 5, 1. Verse, uh, verses 1 through 10. This is the Good News translation. It says, Jesus saw the crowds and went up a hill where he sat down. 
His disciples gather around him. Shameless plug real quick. Come to Israel with us. We're going to be going the end of October through the beginning of November. And, and we've been trying to go for the last couple of years, but the, the COVID pandemic is kind of, so we just said, all right, we're going to give us a little bit of margin. We're believing by then we'll be able to get there. But you actually, we go up in Galilee and we sit on a hill that's probably one of the ones that Jesus preached from. And you kind of see and you put yourself in the story, but he goes up onto this, this mountainside and he begins to talk to his disciples and he began to teach them. Happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Happy are those who mourn. God will comfort them. Happy are those who are humble. They will receive what God has promised. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. God will satisfy them fully. Happy are those who are merciful to others. God will be merciful to them. Happy are the pure in heart. They will see God. Happy are those who work for peace. God will call them his children. And happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Eight things. And again, these aren't like eight steps to a happier life. It's more like a description. Eight characteristics, eight things that, that, that you're going to see in Christ followers that you may not see in others that, that are going to lead and, and result in us being blessed or happy. And so we're going to take the next eight weeks and look at each of them one by one to really understand what was Jesus saying? What did he mean when he said that? And what's the promise associated with it? So I get to jump in with the first of these Beatitudes is how we often describe this passage of scripture. It's a preamble to the Sermon on the Mount. And the first one that's going to lead us to being blessed and happy. I want to read it to you again. I'll read it to you in a couple different versions. The first one we already read, Good News Translation, the NIV says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then the message version. This is a, a, um, a paraphrase, and I love the way he says this. It says, You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. I, I love it. And some of you are like, dude, it's the first of the year. Why are we starting off with a message called blessed are the poor in spirit? Why would Jesus start off with really the first message that we ever see him preach in the gospel of Matthew? And he opens with this conversation about happiness. And he starts with blessed are the poor in spirit. Here's why I believe he does it. Because it's impossible to begin a journey with God until we get to this point. Being poor in spirit. Be being poor, what does that even mean? Well, there's, there's two words that the New Testament uses for poor. Two different words, and they mean two different things. One of them is, it's penyes, and, and really what it means is the working class poor. It's the people who, they go to work for a living, but they, they pay, they're, they're paid very poorly, and they have to work all day, every day, in order to have their needs met, to have food on the table and and a lot of us in our journey in life, sometimes we go through that season, maybe as a younger adult, where you're not making a lot of money, but you're working hard, and, and you're, you would be considered poor. That's not the word that Jesus describes here. There's another word that he uses, and this describes the begging poor. You have the working poor, and you have the begging poor. And these are people that, 
likely have some sort of physical disability that they can't even go work uh, and get paid a, a, a living wage or a small wage, but literally that they've got some kind of problem in their life and they've gotten to a point. And if you would walk through first century Israel, you would see these people, the poor, and they, they would be sitting on the side of a road and they would have a can with a little bit of change and they'd just be, be begging for money. They would say alms for the poor is what they would say. Alms for the poor. Alms is you know, goodness. Does anybody have goodness? And they literally are, are utterly helpless to get their basic needs met apart from the goodness of somebody else. That's their reality. The only way that they're going to get food that day is if somebody out of the goodness of their heart gives them something that they need. So when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, that's the word that he uses. And the people who are listening would have immediately understood that what he's saying is blessed are the people who are utterly helpless to get their spiritual needs met apart from God. If we're going to be blessed this year, if we're going to be happy this year, it begins here. It begins with just recognizing I am utterly helpless before God apart from his goodness. And so, so, so my job today, <laughs> preaching from Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, is to talk to a group of people, most of us whom have never experienced this level of poverty. Whether you're watching at any of our locations online, most of us in America, we, we've never understood what it means to be utterly helpless. Maybe apart from being a baby or a child and knowing that the only way that you're going to get fed is by somebody else. And I get to help us see and understand why we are utterly helpless apart from God. And if we'll do that, if we'll recognize that, be poor in spirit, then we'll see the kingdom of God. And we'll talk about what that means. So three thoughts for us as we jump in three areas where I am utterly dependent on God. Number one, I'm utterly dependent on Jesus to forgive me for my sin. I am utterly dependent on Jesus to forgive me for my sin. You know, I'm talking to a group of people here, at least at Mount Pleasant. I know Somerville is with me here. You guys all know that you've got sin. None of us walked in here feeling like, you know what? I've got it all figured out. If you're perfect and you're looking for a perfect church, you've walked into the wrong place. If it was perfect, it wasn't when you got here, right? Because none of us are. We've all got issues and most of us are okay with that. We understand that. We know Romans 3.23 to be true. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And most of us realize that, but here's what we do. Generally, this is how people operate in their relationship with God. We go, I know I've got a problem. I know I've got debt, but I know my problem is not as bad as that other person's problem, right? And this is kind of how we approach God. It's like, I, I know I've got needs. If it was a financial metaphor, I know that, that I owe some debt, but, but most of us treat God in a way that we go, you know what? If I get enough right, and maybe, Josh, if you'd preach a little bit better, give me a little bit more to work with here, right? I'll do a little bit more good than I do bad, and I feel better about that. The Bible calls that self-righteousness. And, 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 and here's, here's the metaphor. Let's say that you owed a billion dollars of debt, and the person sitting next to you in your row right now, they also owe a billion dollars of debt, and they only have five cents to offer to pay off their debt, but you came up with 10 cents. And so you're feeling a lot better than that person. 
No, that's ridiculous, right? Neither of you has a chance. Neither of us have a, a chance of paying that debt. And, and being poor in spirit is going, you know what? I recognize that I've got a debt that I cannot pay. I'm utterly helpless. No, no amount of, of good works, no amount of right things that I do is going to pay that debt. And in fact, it's way worse than a billion dollars. The wages of my debt is death. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The beginning to being happy, the, the starting point for us experiencing that happy life is realizing that we have a debt that we cannot pay. I mean, I know I've got plenty of testimonies of experiencing death as a result of my own sin, as a result of stuff that I did where I got off track from God. But we all face death, not only death in our circumstances, but eternal death as the wages of sin. But let me tell you something. When you owe a billion dollars and someone walks in and pays that debt for you, no more student loans, no more credit card debt, no more mortgage. There's a freedom that comes when realizing, man, my debt has been paid. And if we're going to be happy, we got to live out of that freedom going, you know what? Yeah, I have a debt and it leads to death, but my debt has been paid. I am nothing more than a beggar spiritually. God, I, my, my good works, I don't have a chance. I need you. The only way that we can experience forgiveness for our sins is when we recognize that Jesus has already paid that debt, a free gift for us that if we'll believe in him, we'll trust in him. We can experience eternal life that starts now. We don't have to wait till we die for it. We can begin to live in it now and experience that happiness. And so, so that's the starting point. Jesus in this next verse, he sort of contrasts uh, two different people. And I think I'm just going to read it to you so we can kind of understand. He, he says in Luke 18, then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness, their own 10 cents that they were bringing to the table and scorned everyone else. He says this. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. Thank you, Lord. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income. But then Jesus says, the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. That's it. That's all he offered God. Be merciful. I need your mercy. I'm a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Have you recognized your need for Jesus to forgive you? I know for me, that was 20-some years ago, but it's really good to revisit that often. You know, I have no business standing on this platform. I can't even preach this message without needing to repent for probably you know, motives inside of me that are like, I want to be liked. I want you to, to enjoy what I say. I want you to laugh at my jokes. Y'all haven't been helping a lot so far today. I'm just kidding. But, but even my best, even getting up here and trying to help the church is, you know, I, I don't have any, but God, I'm a sinner and I need you. That's the beginning. 
That's the beginning of experiencing happiness, recognizing I need Jesus. I'm utterly helpless apart from, from Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. Second thought for us is I'm utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit to be fully free and healed. Not only do I need Jesus for, for salvation, but I am utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit to get me out of some of the messes that, that the enemy has put me in or that I put myself in in this life. A lot of us, we come to this place, we, we ask God for forgiveness and we experience that freedom from our sins, but we, we remain stuck in the consequences of our sins. We, and we, we get stuck and, and we, we Google, how do I be happy or how do I get free from this? And, and the answers that we get are similar to what Jeremiah described in Jeremiah 6.14. They offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wounds. They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. And so many of us, that's what we've tried to, it's like, man, I, I just want to get better at this and I want to make this improvement. And I want to get free from this, but the world is offering us peace, but we're really at the best. We're just coping. But Jesus said that he came to give us abundant life. He wants us to experience freedom from our sin. And the pathway to that is just to go, you know what? Jesus, I'm utterly dependent on you for forgiveness, but Holy Spirit, I want to be utter, teach me how to be utterly dependent on you for freedom. Galatians describes what it, what it looks like when believers are utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit. We know this little passage of scripture is the fruit of the Spirit. And notice it doesn't say the fruit of a, a guy who's figuring it out and getting it right. It says the fruit of God's Spirit manifesting itself in our lives. It says this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know what? If I finish this year with more of that, more love, joy, peace, self-control, like this is the kind of fruit that God wants to produce in our lives. I can make no guarantees to you about your finances, about your health, about any of that. But I can guarantee you that if you will lean in and become utterly dependent and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your Holy Spirit, that he will begin to produce fruit in your life. And it may not be fully ripe yet. It may not be ready to eat, but you're going to see a little bit of these seedlings, a little bit of these sprouts of love and joy and peace. And man, my prayer for us is that we wouldn't just cope this year but we would experience freedom. It's why we've told you for the last couple of weeks, we're launching uh, our growth track and we've got inside track as a part of that. We've got a, a, a new rooted study that's going to help us get deeper in our faith. But man, the freedom course, and I run into so many of you in the foyer that have already gone through the freedom course and you go, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm free. I finally dealt with that issue that I've been stuck in all of my life. Why? Because, because we, we helped show you how to just be utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit. And that he would teach us how to break free from some of the bondage that we live in. So we got to be utterly dependent on Jesus for forgiveness, utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit for freedom. One last thought for us. And what does it look like to be poor in spirit is that we would be utterly dependent on God for direction and purpose, utterly dependent on God for direction and purpose. You know, one of the prayers that I try to pray every single day of my life, I always know I've got a calendar, I've got a schedule set before me, but I feel like there are two approaches I can take to my day. It's God, would you bless what I'm already doing 
Or God, help me to hear and see where you're at work in my life today. Help me to recognize where you're already at work. And then I just want to partner with that because I believe that you've got some divine appointments for me. Why do I believe that? Because I believe Acts chapter 17 is true. Look at this, this last verse. It says, from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. How cool is that? God knew that you would be born when you were born. He knew that you would be with us here at Seacoast Church entering in the first weekend of 2022. He knew you would be in the job that you're in. He knew you would live in the neighborhood that you lived in. He marked out your days. And that means he's got appointments for you. He's got opportunities for you that if we will learn to go, you know what, God, I'm not going to depend on my ability to, to get this all right, but I'm going to be utterly helpless. Lord, show me where you're at work. Jesus, so many times, if you study his life, he said, I only do what? What the father told me to do. I only talk when the father told me to talk. And man, I want to, the older I get, the more I want that to be the description of me. Not that Josh got a whole lot more wisdom and did things a lot better. No, that's still not very good. <laughs> but man, when I'm partnering with the God of the universe and my set appointment and my set purpose, wow, that's going to create a joy that nobody can take away from me. So that's why we're starting our year off tomorrow, January 3rd, 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's not to be like the Pharisee that says, hey, thank God I'm not as bad as those people who sleep in. At least I got up at seven. No, 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 no. Don't come, don't come to that with that attitude. That's not what this is about. It's about going, God, I want to do my very best to eliminate maybe some of the things that I've been depending on that can't really satisfy, that aren't really producing the kind of fruit that I want in my life. Maybe that's news media for you. Maybe that's social media. Maybe it's some food or alcohol that you've been going to. Say so for 21 days, I'm going to set some of that stuff aside. Not because I think I'm better than anybody else, because I want more of you in my life. I want to learn how to be utterly dependent on you. Utterly dependent on you. For my forgiveness, for my freedom, and for my purpose. So that I can walk into this year not confident in what's going to happen. I don't know what the stock market's going to do. I don't know where inflation is going to be. I don't know if we're still going to be talking about this stupid disease at the end of this year. I hope not. But if I take responsibility for any of that, that's just going to produce stress in my life. I can't control that. I can't make any promises about that stuff. But I can promise you that if we'll be poor in spirit, that there's a universal principle that God established that we're going to be blessed. We're going to see the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Jesus taught us later on in this, this sermon to pray a prayer. Part of that prayer is, God, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That the kingdom that I'm going to experience isn't the fruit of all of my bad choices, but I'm utterly dependent on Jesus. I'm utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit. I'm utterly dependent on God. And I began to live and move and walk in the kingdom of heaven. And I see God activity in my life. And there's a a happiness and a joy that can't be taken from me. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And, and, and here's what I want us to do. If you're here today, just join me in this prayer. And no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, maybe you've never come to that point of saying, you know what, Jesus, 
I'm utterly dependent on you for forgiveness. You can do that today. You can do that today. Maybe you've been following God for a really long time. But I would say that the first weekend of 2022 is a great time to just acknowledge your need for him. God, I need you. I need you for my freedom. I need you for the appointments, the purpose that you've got for me. I still need you for that forgiveness. I'm not going to still try to pay that off. I'm not going to live in kind of that mentality, but I'm just going to thank you and acknowledge I don't want to go into this year without recognizing I am utterly helpless if you don't go in with me. I think it's a good place to start. Would you guys pray with me as we close? Lord, we are, uh, we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful, Lord, for life. We're thankful for a church family. We're walking in to a new year, and most of us have high hopes for this year. God, we've got goals. We want to see things happen in our lives. But God, we all want to start this year from a place of just acknowledging how much we need you. God, I am utterly helpless to lead this church apart from your spirit leading. God, I am utterly helpless to deal with my own sin without your forgiveness and free gift of grace. God, I'm utterly helpless to produce the kind of fruit that I want to see in my life. Holy Spirit, would you do that? Would you produce that? And God, I pray that as we start from here, that we would experience your kingdom here on earth, here in our church, here in our families, here in our lives, as it is in heaven. Lord, we want to see the kingdom of God. We want to see you move in our lives. Would you do it? Help us to learn to live as people who are poor in spirit. It doesn't mean, God, that we shrink back or afraid of the enemy. No, we actually have way more confidence because it's not in us, but it's in the God of the universe who's got set appointments and purpose for us. We love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, I want to invite you to respond to God. I know some of you, maybe you're here for the very first time. You're getting a fresh start in 2022, and you may not be familiar with Seacoast or how we do things. We're almost to the end of our service, but what we want to do before we, we close our time together is just give you a few minutes to answer the question, God, what, what are you saying to me today? And how am I going to respond to that? We have a lot of different stations set up. One of them is communion. Communion would be a great place that Jesus said in one of his last conversations with his disciples said, hey, as often as you gather together, I want you to remember me. I want you to remember that you're utterly helpless for the forgiveness of your sin apart from Jesus. And we go to the communion stations. We say, God, I thank you. Thank you for forgiveness of my sins. Some of us are here. Maybe you just need prayer. You would say, you know what? I'm, I'm helpless. I'm stuck in something. Maybe it's a, a, an illness. Maybe it's a, a lack of some of that fruit. It could be fear or anxiety or it could be something that you're just stuck in and, and you're tired of being stuck. And, and today you're going to come. We have prayer teams that would just love to pray for you. They're going to speak a better word over your life. You know, you may have walked in with fear, but they've got a better word from scripture that God would speak over you of peace, of joy, of confidence. Some of you are going to go and light candles and maybe you know somebody who's struggling. You know somebody who is just far from God. And you're just going to light a candle 
and you're gonna pray, God, would you light up their life this year? Maybe part of them being at the end of their rope right now is just where you need them to experience your love and your grace and your forgiveness. Some are gonna give their offerings, tithes, which is just an act of just gratitude. Lord, thank you for everything you've given me, the purpose, the calling, the career. It's all from you. It's all of the result of your grace in my life, and I'm given freely. But then we're going to worship, sing about the goodness of God, the blessing that he wants to speak over our lives. But what's God saying to you today? Let's respond to him together as a church.